Today on the No City on the Sideline Down podcast, it's all about building better communication relationships, personal, close relationships, also avoiding those pitfalls. We all have them. You know, not paying attention, not listening. You know the one, the biggest pitfall? It's probably our cell phone, to be honest with you. And taking them, look at, looking, up, looking up and saying, hello, how are you? How are you doing? I really find this stuff fascinating, especially building communication relationships. It can be personal relationships. It can be your spouse. I find it really cool. And also, there's a really cool game that we talk about, me and Jonathan talk about in here. You can have a better better time with your significant other, like spouse, or you can even do it with your kids, too, actually. You'll find more about that game and talk about the communication pitfalls in relations next with my guest, Jonathan Yetsky, next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the episode of No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast. I'm your host, Joe Foley. Thank you much for being here. I really do appreciate it. Tonight, I got a special guest, my my third time guest and I, think, I can call him a friend now for the third time, I guess, or a, a, an internet friend. Jonathan Yetsky, your relationship expert. He's a psychologist and also a, a relationship coach kind of stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Also, like I said, third time as a guest. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Yes, thank you for having me back. I'm glad to be back. And yes, we are friends. I think, <laughs> you know, after we've, been, we've talked so many times, it's uh, we, can, we can claim that title. I oh, appreciate it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I, I really do. One thing we want to talk about tonight, and I found it very interesting, but first I got to ask, I, I kind of been catching up on you a little bit on your social media and stuff like that. What is with all the, the like board games? Because board games can relate, it relate to relationships. And I'm like, well, because you know what? I mean, I got my phone and it's not the same as playing a board game with a family. Yeah. How, what is your, what, how much you like those board games? I'm curious. How, what is about board games? I absolutely, uh, yeah, for anyone who's been on my social media, I absolutely love board games. It is just something so fun to sit down with people. Like, uh, you know, I I like to just find interesting and unique things to like bring people together. And especially before COVID was really a thing, you know, I'd have people over, I'd make a nice meal, we'd have a glass of wine or maybe some mulled wine. And then we would just sort of break out some board games, you know, people would get on teams. And there are just so many good ones nowadays that like, you can absolutely translate a lot of what you're doing in the game into other aspects of life, especially relationships. Um, so a lot of my posts are like, hey, remember that game you've played that one time? Well, let's delve into how this is a reflection of our everyday life. <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of great reasons as to why that happens. I can think of Monopoly. You really can bring out the best in people when you play Monopoly because, you know, you can tell the people who's kind of cheating, sliding the money under the table, who's... Oh yeah, a little bit of that, or there's a little bit of conflict, conflict resolution, because you know, you didn't go past. I have a hotel on that. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so you can build that communication and problem solving. That's a good word I'm thinking of. Problem solving. Totally. And <laughs> I just find it fun. This is it's interesting because it kind of ties in to what the topics we're going to want to talk about tonight is communication pitfalls in relationships and how to avoid them. Totally. And, and I was looking up some of them, some of those stuff too, and. Uh, I found the, um, two websites. I found links in the show notes for this, but the six common communication ones. And, and I, f- I found interesting too. And one thing, well, I, one thing I found about interesting too, about communication issues and relationships is the one thing I didn't know much about is apologizing too much in mm-hmm. a relationship. I'm like, I found that interesting because I didn't think that was one of them because 
you know, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts on that. Yeah, actually, I, I would agree. Uh, one of the things that I've been talking about, and I actually, I think I did a live. So anyone who's interested, go to my Facebook page. I did a live on apologizing a couple, must be months ago at this point. But you're absolutely right. There are two major components of creating a good apology, right? If you're apologizing too much, usually that's indicative of the fact that something isn't being learned, right? So if let's say I'm doing something that you don't like, Joe, mm-hmm. and I have to keep apologizing for it because you keep getting upset about it, that means somewhere along the line, we're not communicating that well. And Oftentimes when we apologize, oftentimes we don't apologize in effective ways. What we usually end up doing is going, oh, I'm sorry about that. I I won't do it again. But that's actually not a sufficient enough apology, at least from where I come from and the sort of work I do with people, right? So like, let's say I chew with my mouth open, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if that really bothers you, then maybe what I should do is instead of just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, is saying, wow, okay, this seems to bother you. Can you tell me why? Then we can start a dialogue. Then what I should do is instead of just giving a blanket statement apology, I should be really specific about it. Hey, you know what? I'm really sorry about this. I know sometimes I chew with my mouth open. I know it's not a great habit and it really frustrates you. And so I'm going to do my best to try and make sure that I don't do that again. Right. So please hold me accountable to that. And I'm going to do the best I can moving into the future, which is a much more specific, much more engaged way to apologize. Then it's a discussion back and forth. It can actually build communication, not just it be a throwaway thing that now we're just apologizing all the time. Because after a while, our words no longer lack that our words actually start to lack meaning the more we apologize because our actions don't follow. What are some other ones too? Like what is a common communication issues in relationships? Cause I'm, I'm a divorced person myself. So I, I could probably tell you some of them, but, <laughs> but um, what are the, some of the things that are common issues in relationship communication? Absolutely. Uh, one of the ones that I see, and this is probably the biggest one that I see all the time is that, we think that we communicate much clearer than we actually communicate. So we think in our minds, yes, this makes sense. But what we don't recognize is that every person is sort of filling in the blanks of the communication that we're giving off. So for example, did you ever do, um, or did you, did you ever see Mad Libs? You know, those like little books. Yeah. Right. So like for those who don't know, right, it's like a sentence and there are pieces missing from this sentence. Well, the problem is, is that when we leave pieces missing in our communication, the other person is going to fill those spots in with the things they think are going on. So if I say I had a blank day, well, that could be anything from great, horrible, (laughs) the best. I was so frustrated. I just want to punch someone in the face. Like those are all things that are valid answers to fit into that spot. And the problem is, is that we actually think that our partners are mind readers, Mm -hmm. that they can tell what we are thinking, when in reality, we leave huge gaps that if we were to simply just communicate a little better, have them repeat back what was said. So like if I say A, B, C, D, and E went on in my day, and they say, oh, so I hear you saying that A, B, D, and E happened. Then I can say, as the person who just communicated, well, well, what about C? C is important as well. And here's a hint. If they're bringing up C again, right? If I missed it and they're bringing it up, 
that's a hint that that was an important aspect of their day. And maybe I should look at that. That's interesting too. About, about mind readers too. And the thing about also too, and, and one of the things I read on the website too, and one of the common things too, is trying to always be right. It always yeah. trying to win a battle, always like a competition. And mm-hmm. in a relationship, I don't think it should be a competition. You're absolutely right. So many times we get into this righteous mode where it's now me versus you. And if you think about that in the dynamic of a relationship, what it actually does is it creates a bigger gap. It doesn't bring us together. Uh, there's a distinction that, I, that I've used with people many times, which is there's a difference between being factually correct, right? You know, if I say two plus two equals four, most people are going to agree that I am right. <laughs> but we add a lot more emotion to it. It's a lot more personal to us because it isn't about facts. It's about our emotions and emotions aren't logical. They are valid, but they aren't always following the steps of logical thought. In which case, if someone says, no, you're wrong, now my emotional walls go back up. And because of that, we oftentimes separate ourselves. And so a good distinction to remember is that we can be dead right. (laughs) There's a difference between being right and being dead right. So uh, like, here's a, here's a story. So anyone who's ever been in a city, they have crosswalk signs, right? So there's the walk person and then there's the hand, right? And when the <laughs> hand's up, you don't walk. Now imagine if I walked up to the edge of this sidewalk, I looked across and I see the walk sign show up. Mm-hmm. That means as the person crossing the street that it is my turn to walk. <laughs> now, if I look left, and see that there is a 18 wheeler barreling down and is not gonna stop for this red light that I'm at. And I go, you know what? Screw them. It's my time to walk. I'm gonna walk out and it's up to them to stop. Well, now yeah, you're squ- I, yeah, you squished. <laughs> I'm squished, right? Was I right? I was absolutely 100% right. Unfortunately, I was dead right. Mm-hmm. We do that in relationships. When we get so impassioned about a particular topic, we can actually push people away. And then what they get is not a rationalized, this is why I'm thinking this way, this is how I'm feeling this way. What they get is, I'm right, you're wrong, shut up. And that doesn't necessarily help your relationship in any way, Fleur. I think that sometimes we probably shut people down, shut people down in the sense that you don't want to discuss any problems that come up. Because they feel like they don't feel like they want to be heard. Right. And, and you actually bring up a really good point, which is that most people, when they come to see me as a therapist, and it, you know, I'm doing couples counseling, one of the things that I hear most often is, I just feel so unheard in this relationship. And what we have to remember is that hearing each other does not mean that we agree. It means that, you know what? You matter to me. We are in relationship. And therefore, I am going to listen to what you have to say before I jump in and try and fix it, before I tell you that that's not a good idea. I am going to be with you in this place where, sure, maybe your emotional spark, right? You know, that feeling of anger that you came home with is super high. And what you're saying doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know what? Right now, that's where they're at. And because that's where they're at, I need to be able to meet them there 
because if I just shut them down, I'm just going to have them take that emotion and store it for a later day so that next time they get upset, it's even bigger than the last time. And that doesn't help. No, it doesn't. And no, it doesn't it have communication too. Another big one, another big one. I, and I remember reading this. I'm not going to look because I know this one very well, actually. Yeah. Assumptions, making assumptions about people, making people about your partner and stuff like that. You assume they're mad at you, but they're actually, maybe they're mad at something happened during the day. Yes. Right. Again, this is why it's important to recognize that ours, our relationship is not built on that of mind readers. If we are upset about something, and it, it's, it's so funny because I've had people so often say, well, I don't understand why they don't understand what I'm upset about. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and, and I'll hear this comment, which is you would think, but really think about that statement. You would think that means I'm thinking that they should think the way I think they think, <laughs> which doesn't help because clearly they're not there. In which case, if I make the assumption of, I assume they're going to think the same way I do. I'm actually sort of shooting myself in the foot. And if I'm so upset about something, but I don't communicate it because you would think that they would understand, well, then I really don't have the right to complain about it if I'm not talking about it, not bringing it to their attention. One of the things so too, assumptions can push push the partner's um, relationships apart too, totally. in the sense that, they assume that they, like you said, thinking the same way. Maybe they don't think the same way about money or parenting or yes. stuff like that. And then and they assume the other person's like them and they're not. Maybe, I don't know if you have experienced some people you've actually talked to or maybe some people you've actually coached and, and they had that experience. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, I, in my own relationship, I've had the same sort of thing. You know, and it's because each and every one of us has a dictionary definition of the things we're looking at that are slightly different than everyone else. So like a good thought to think about to sort of explain this would be everyone, anyone who's listening to this, I want you to think of the comfiest chair you've ever sat in. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. Now, everyone who's listening, I imagine has a very different chair in their minds, right? So like Joe, like think about the comfiest chair you've ever sat in. What's it look like? It's big and fluffy mm -hmm. and they put my feet up and um, as a drink holder right there too. Yeah. That's yeah. a bunch of, that's there, a there, you there you go. What, what color is it? Green. I like green. green. Oh, okay. So notice that definition of the comfiest chair. Some people may get all of those things, except it's not green, right? It might be black. It might be leather. It might be, you know, uh, made out of cotton candy. I don't know, but it's because if we think about the comfiest chair and the definition of what the comfiest chair means to each person, it's very different. The best thing that we can do is when someone comes and they say, and this has happened in relationships, I use this tool in my own relationship and to help counsel people is, what do you mean when you say X? Mm -hmm. Because then what we can actually get is a real life definition of what they mean and therefore get a glimpse into what their worldview is. Not that it'll necessarily change our worldview, but it allows us to build a bridge of understanding together. Well, the interesting about pitfalls relationships too, and I'm, I'm thinking about this while you're talking, mm -hmm. is in the sense that with some people in relationships, they want to talk about a certain topic, and it's kind of a hot topic. It could be money, could be yeah. parenting, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the other person shuts down because the other person's yelling at them and they don't mm-hmm. want to talk about us. Every time the topic comes up, they shut down. Yeah. And, the, and one of those things is it also reminds me of getting defensive. I mean, that's, I think it's offensive is shutting down maybe defensive mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. If you think about someone who, let's say, let's say someone is raised with a really, really tense view of, you know, you brought up money, like finances. Mm-hmm. Well, that means that, when I bring that topic up, it isn't necessarily our current conversation that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a very strong ingrained definition of what finances mean, and their tension level goes up. Now, the thing to remember is that, like, let's say I'm talking to my wife, right? <laughs> and she's, let's say she has a, a thing about money. Well, if I know this, I might approach it in a very different way because the way I communicate is actually just as important as what I say. So for example, if let's say I'm talking to her Mm -hmm. and I start to just get really in her face and I'm just like, why can't you understand stuff about money? Well, now, not only am I getting in her face physically, my voice is raised and I'm punctuating it in a very sort of strong way. And I'm also talking about something that triggers her. In which case, before I even get to my point, which still might be a good point, the things I have to say might be useful, but I've already sort of started behind the, the, the starting line, you know, 50 feet, because <laughs> my body posture and my tone is one that is just begging for combativeness. And so we have to watch how we talk about it. You know, one of the things that I might do, especially for someone who, let's say, whenever money's brought up, it's an issue. The first thing that I would do is I might say, hey, you know what? I want to have a conversation about money. I know that this can be really stressful for you. So why don't we just take some time? Let's set up a time doesn't have to be right now. I don't want you to feel like I'm jumping on you and like trying to ambush you. Let's set up a time to talk about money. I don't think there's anything wrong, but I want us to be on the same page. What I'm doing in that place is I have a calm and even tone. I'm giving them agency and power in the discussion to say, this is a time, right? And a place where this is a good conversation. And then I'm also making it a solution-focused conversation. Okay. I'm offering solutions instead of just having, you know, there's a problem and we're going to figure it out and you did this. It's like, let's figure this out together. Well, right? I think, I think of two of them, I'm thinking about that when you're talking about everybody comes from a different background when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. Some people don't come up, they're ashamed because maybe they grow up poor yeah. or, and they don't really like talking about money because money is an embarrassing thing to talk about. Other people come up with, you know, they're being hammered by their parents. Listen, there's a budget, there's money, there's, you got to do this. And the other person is embarrassed to talk about it. So it's harder for them to talk, but the people think that this, the person who's an authoritarian figure in the relationship is like, we got to do it this way, but don't understand where the other person's coming from. Ah, right. That's why it's so important to build those bridges of understanding. If I can communicate, like, let's say, Let's say I get really anxious about math, which is true. I get very <laughs> anxious about math. But if I own that, if I own my strengths 
and my weaknesses, and I bring my weaknesses to the table as something that I claim that is part of me. And I say, you know what? You know, talking about numbers, it really stresses me out because of I've had an entire lifetime of math teachers. This is a true story. Entire lifetime of math teachers telling me that I wasn't worth educating, that I was never going to make it, that it was never going to happen for me. And therefore, I might as well not even get a high school education. (laughs) And that's true. And the thing was, is that if I bring that up and I have a sort of area of trust with my partner where I can be vulnerable, I can say, this is a trigger for me. And I would appreciate it if we could find a way to communicate a little more succinctly or calmly, or like if you start to see me get charged, right? Get like really angry to just say, hey, why don't we take a break, right? Five minute break, let's walk outside. Let's just get a couple good breaths of fresh air because then I am telling them how to help me. I'm communicating with them about, I have a weakness, I have a fear, I have a worry, and I'm bringing it to you because we have a trusting, loving, compassionate relationship where we can be open with each other and support each other, not only when we're strong, but also where we're weak. One interesting too, um, we're talking about that people, we're talking about the bone being vulnerable stuff. What happens when the that place, that place of vulnerability, a place to open up is violated in the sense that it's, it, it's yeah, violated. That's a good word. <laughs> good thing. hundred percent. One of the things that is so crucial to relationship success is trust. If we cannot trust the other person to follow through, even with their words, then it's going to be really hard to create a safe place to be authentically ourselves. If for whatever reason, it could be that you know they broke their trust. It could be because maybe they're being abusive. It could be because there are things hanging over us that don't allow us to be vulnerable. Like let's say if I bring a topic up and you just laugh at me and point at me, calling all of your friends and be like, can you believe he's horrible at math? <laughs> right? I'm not gonna wanna bring this up to you again, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's gonna start to fracture and pull away. So in order to gain that trust, even if it's been broken, a couple of things are crucial. Well, first, we need to be with the fact and accept. Remember, accepting doesn't mean condoning. So if my arm is broken, it doesn't matter how many stories I tell myself that it's not. If it's waving around bonelessly, there's a problem. If I accept that there's a problem with my arm, I can get it fixed. I can get a cast on it. I can go to the doctor. And eventually I'm going to get back up to strength with my arm. If I don't, well, what I'm going to end up with is a floppy arm that doesn't work. And every time they're like, hey, what's wrong with your hand? Well, we don't talk about it. <laughs> no, no, don't look. And that's not going to, that's not going to be good. And so part of it is we need to accept it, even if it's something we don't condone, so that we can come back to trust. The second thing is, is especially if you are the one who, let's say I broke your trust, Joe. Yes. And I want to gain it back. It is on me to show up. Not on us. It's on me. And I have to show up. You can then say, you know what? In order to gain trust back, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And if you matter to me that much, I'm going to do that. 
even if it's something that's really, even if it's something that in the long run may seem small, may seem insignificant, it doesn't matter. Because then what I'm doing is I'm showing you not only that you can trust me, that you matter, that we matter, and that I mean what I say when I say that I'm going to do something. That's important, building trust. Actually, it's kind of cool, a cool transition in the sense, though. We're talking about reuniting your passion, and every day it's pajama day. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> I wish I could do that, but I have to go to work every day. But communication, building trust, and reigniting passion in relationships. Because once that, that, that bond, I think bond is broken, and trying to find out the way back. What are some tips, maybe some thoughts on how to do that? So finding the way back into the relationship? Yes. Okay. So a good way to do that is, again, sort of keeping our word, making sure we keep it. And our word can be something small. So like with my wife, we first started dating. She was not necessarily interested in dating. And she had had things happen before and she just wasn't about it, right? She wanted to, to sort of cut that part out of her life and be done with it. And I said to you, listen, I see something that could be really incredible. If you are willing to take this risk with me, what is it that I can do to show you that I mean business? And she said to me, I want you to text me every morning and every night, good morning and good night. And I said, okay. And we were long distance for four and a half years. And I don't think I ever missed a day. And that showed her that I was ready to do something with her that was serious. And, and people may think that's a very small thing to do. But oftentimes trust and reignition of your relationship is a, just as much about the small things as it is the big things. The second thing that I would do is I would remember that especially for relationships or, or even with your job, we get into an autopilot state. <laughs> yeah, I do. I right. do sometimes. <laughs> right. It, you know, I know for myself and I will be the first one to admit it that there are some days where I leave my house and I get to work and I have no idea how I did that. <laughs> right. I'm just like, I got in the car and that was it. Right. That's usually, that's usually I'm listening to a good podcast. Next thing you know, I'm like, I'm already home. Where, where, where yeah. can go? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a sitting on the sidelines podcast. I, I hear it's good. You should, I've been listening. You should listen to it. Um, <laughs> but we get into autopilot with our relationships as well. We show up and we sit down, we go through the motions. We do the same thing that we've done. What we don't realize is that whether it's because we're in quarantine, whether it's because of our work, whether it's because of our relationship, every day is a new opportunity for us to learn something new, understand each other on a deeper level, and take our relationship one step further. So, for example, if let's say your significant other likes music. I, for one, I'm not a huge music person. I like it. I don't understand it. And classical music just sounds like a piano. <laughs> but if someone I care about loves music, even though I don't care about it, I care about them enough to take interest. Hey, can you tell me what, what was it that was so interesting about what this singer just did that made me get tingles? And if they're excited about that, that gives them an outlet to start talking, right? And then even if I don't understand a single word they said, I took an interest in them. I showed up for them in a way that was unique today, where 
it wasn't just our average everyday thing. I looked for a way to make it special, to make it unique, and to be self-directed, which is a huge reason why people lose their spark in, in relationships and in business, is they, we were waiting for someone to give us a direction, when in reality, that's not how the world works. <laughs> Most like we 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 gotta take an um, initiative in a way, maybe. Mm -hmm. Taking initiative, it can be, you know, for example, if you think about how we are raised, especially mm -hmm. in this country, we are born, our parents tell us do this. We get to school, our teachers say do this. <laughs> we get to college, our teachers say do that. Then we get out into the world, and if we are a small business owner, right, or even mm -hmm. if we're working for a large company. We have clients who say, we want it done this way, or we have a boss that says, do it this way. And so we're used to having someone at least point the way. And many of us wait for that person to point the way, when in reality, in our lives, to make our lives truly incredible, it's not what other people give to us. It's what we do with the time, energy, and place that we're in. Every single moment can be one to learn lessons. It can be one that can be magical if we allow it. But that comes from us. It's almost like a relationship to take the initiative to make reach out instead of waiting for the, the other person to um, call you, like, say, initiate something. Reach yeah. out to them. Hey, hey, let's spark. Let's go on a, a dinner date. Or, hey, listen, what are you thinking about this? What you would like to watch a show with me? Or play a, play a board game like you like. Those yeah, exactly. It's just speaking to my heart, Joe. <laughs> Here's a really good tip for people who find that it's hard to be spontaneous like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you feel this way, but I know I definitely have, and I'm sure some of your listeners have as well, is that sometimes when it comes to, hey, let's go out to dinner, the next big question is usually the stumper, which is, well, what do you want to eat? <laughs> and that's usually the end of it, right? It's like, well... We could go to that place we always go to. It's like, okay. But if you notice, if we do that, we're again, just going into autopilot. So here's a good tip. This is something that I've done for my wife. And it is something that we've used before many times. I bought a Chinese food container box or just go to a Chinese place and ask for a container box or just get a container of some sort. And then what I did is I did some research and I have two boxes. I have an adventure box and I have a date box. And what I did is I just looked up fun things to do in my area. And I wrote them down on little slips of paper. And I marked each with a price tag. So it could be, you know, for me, I color coded it. So I had a little color index on the top. So blue is free. Green is a little bit of money. Yellow's uh, a little more. And red is expensive. And I marked each of these tasks, each of these things. And I put them in the box. I folded them up. I, you know, taped them shut, put them in the box. Then when it's time for date night, we don't have to decide. We don't have to go through the awkward phase of trying to figure it out. We just go to the date box, we shake it up and we pick one. And then we do that. And sometimes you can create your own adventure and you can create your own life by just a little bit of forethought. It's just fun, like ventures, get in the car, go for a ride, um, yeah. go, go north, go south, go west and end up where you end up. And there's always a fun adventure. Yeah, and, and especially because it's like, you know what, I'm, we did it one time and it was like, 
there's a little Vietnamese place next to where I live. And I had no idea it was there. And I put it in the box. And we we like a lot of different cuisines, but like we haven't had a lot of Vietnamese food in a while. And we were like, okay, let's figure out where we want to go. We pulled it out and I was like, I have no idea where this place is. <laughs> I had researched it, but it had been so long that I just didn't know what to do with it. And so I opened it up and I was like, oh, okay, well, you up for up for an adventure? And she said, yeah. And it's like, okay. So we just ordered it, got it delivered because COVID. And yeah. Lo and behold, it was delicious. It was awesome. Would we have found it otherwise? No. But that little bit of prep, that little bit of just like, you know, we, we think that spontaneity happens spontaneously. <laughs> it really doesn't. We need that little prep in the beginning. We need that sort of like extra step. Because when you make that extra step to make something special, even if it's, let's say, putting a tablecloth out and putting candles out for your dinner, that little bit, can take a grilled cheese and tomato soup to a whole new level. <laughs> the one thing I was interested in too is um, pajama day. What is every day is pajama day. What does that mean to you? So every day, every day is pajama day is kind of like, especially now in COVID times where, especially in the beginning, every day was a day that was kind of like a lazy day, right? Where it was like, we didn't necessarily have to get ourselves fully together. I know for myself, it was like, because I was doing everything digitally, I had a nice shirt on and I had pajama pants on. And that was my day. <laughs> and, and so for many of us, we don't necessarily know what to do with free time when we get it, right? Going back to that self-directedness, we mm -hmm. don't know what to do with the time we have when we have it. So part of what pajama day and like sort of, if every day, every day is pajama day, then it's up to us to make the magic. It's up to us to show up to that day to make it the, the best it can possibly be, right? Whether that's going to work and seeing, you know, not doing just the autopilot, but seeing, are there other places where maybe if I show initiative, I could get that raise or maybe mm -hmm. I could, you know, get promoted. It's showing up with your kids, right? Or your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your significant other, non-binary, you know, <laughs> whoever it is. And just saying, hey, you know what? Let's do something fun today. Let's do something like totally weird, out of the box. Let's let's take this average everyday experience and remember that there are no ordinary moments. There are only ordinary people. And let's not be that. Let's be bigger than that. Well, one thing else too is interested too. Anything anything new you're involved in? Any kind of seminar, webinars? Mm -hmm. Anything you anything else that you're doing? Yeah. So uh, a couple of things we got in the works. So. I do Facebook Lives twice a week. So I do uh, Movie Club Monday, which is a <laughs> basically like a book club, but for movies where we watch our favorite movies and then we take life lessons out of them that we can take into our own lives. We actually just did uh, The Princess Bride, right? Uh, but we've done a lot of really great movies that people love, you know, for the holidays. We die hard, you know, classic Christmas movie. Basically, we just have a discussion about how we can take life lessons or maybe even learn from other people's mistakes <laughs> and not have to learn them the hard way in our own lives. And so we do that at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can just look me up, you know, Jonathan Yatsky on Facebook, totally free, great for people. And then we do a Thoughtful Thursday where I take topics that people have either written in about or we take from the movie that we just watched. And now we start talking about them a little more in depth to really give people usable tools to actually take their life to the next level. You know, so often therapy becomes a mental exercise, but I actually want to give people things that they not just think about, but they use in their everyday life. What kind of response you got from that? I was kind of curious. 
from the Thoughtful Thursday and uh, the movie, the movie club Monday or whatever that was you just said. Absolutely. And people love both of them. They especially love the movie club because oftentimes these are movies we've seen before. These are movies that are like classic, maybe even ones we've grown up with, you know? So for example, like uh, Space Jam or, <laughs> you know, uh, Back to the Future, Nightmare Before Christmas. Like I said, uh, Die Hard. You know, we do a lot of romantic comedies. We do, we've even done some horror movies, right? <laughs> and we take those movies that people have seen, that they love, that they've, you know, sort of been like, yeah, that's a great movie. And then we take it one level deeper because oftentimes those movies have lessons that are sort of nestled in them that if we just take a moment, take a look, we can actually take into our own lives. So uh, for example, we did the movie, well, The Princess Bride, we just did that one. One of the things that was great about Princess Bride is there's a moment where they go, uh, Wesley and Buttercup go into the fire <laughs> swamp, right? And the fire swamp has three major issues, right? That usually kills people who go into it. It's got fire, you know, hence fire swamp. Uh, <laughs> it's got quicksand or lightning sand, and it's got uh, rodents of unusual size, so R-O-U-S's. And here's the thing. We've seen that, I've seen that movie so many times, but when I was looking at it this time, it's really interesting to see how the, the main protagonist, you know, male character, Wesley, deals with the fire swamp. Because in it, he shows us how we can deal with our own emotional triggers. So an emotional trigger comes up, right? He hears this popping noise and then fire shoots out of the earth. But how many times do we have an emotional trigger that like there's some like a little bit under the surface and then suddenly it erupts out of nowhere. And then we don't learn from it. And lo and behold, we hear the popping noise again and it erupts out of nowhere. <laughs> he looks at it and it only takes one time for him to learn this lesson, to see what his trigger is, to recognize what he can do about it and how to avoid it in the future. That is something that like we can all learn from. And it's a great tool to do this is to use our, what I say is like your emotional metal detector. Mm -hmm. So when a metal detector goes off, what do you do? You can find out what's going on. You'll dig in the hole, find out, dig up the, the piece of metal. Yeah, you dig up, right? Do you walk 10 more feet and start digging? Oh no, dig right where you are. Right dig right where you are. So when your emotions are going off, when you start hearing that beeping, don't just be like, oh, it's something that's you know way over there. Be like, let's dig right here. Because mm -hmm. right here is where the gold is. And if we can do that, we don't have to continually make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Well, it's interesting too. You're talking about, we mentioned back to the future uh -huh. and I think it's back in the future too. When they're going in the future to, well, meet up with this Marty and with the son and stuff like that. And um, the, the time is right around now, you know, that in the movie, yeah. I'm like, we don't have flying cars yet. I don't have, I don't have a, I don't have a vest that looks like, um, it's, um, what do you call that? It just expands to be almost uh -huh. like a big light preserver. I just, when you said back to the future, I was just talking to somebody the other day about that going, no, we don't have that stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was like, you know, they were like, ooh, 2012. And it was like 3D things that pop off and like hoverboards and all this. I'm like, where is all of that stuff? <laughs> we like, that. I feel really like you've let me down, society, because we don't have hover cars yet. Well, and the Cubs won the World Series. And we'll leave you that one. There you go. There, you <laughs> there go. we go. There you go. Well, wrapping up, I guess, final thoughts. Anything you want to leave with things that we talked about tonight? And, um, and also where they can connect with you. Yeah. So, you know, a, a big thing, and I think this is probably the most important piece, is that 
in your relationship, whether it be you with a friend, you with a significant other, right? Use some of these tools. Trust is so important. And remember that we don't communicate that well. So when you're communicating, right, especially if this is something you really want them to get, ask them before they jump in, right, before they start talking to repeat back what you just said. Doesn't mean they have to say it word for word, but the general gist of it so that you know you were heard. Because again, being unheard is one of the biggest relationship breakers. We don't Mm -hmm. want that. So give that a shot. Try some of these other things. And if you're interested in more of what I do, you can look me up. Uh, You can go to my website, which is jonathanyatsky.com. Or you can, as I said, find me at eight o'clock on Monday, Eastern Standard Times uh, to watch, uh, you know, to talk about great movies with our Movie Club Monday or Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern where we're talking about Thoughtful Thursdays. And that is totally free for anyone who wants to watch uh, because like I said, we want to give people tools so that they can live their happiest, healthiest, most excellent life they can. Well, John, thank you much for being on the podcast this evening. I really do appreciate it, sir. Thank you much again for the third time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. Hey, wrapping up this episode, I really want to thank Jonathan for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about him over at jonathanyetsky.com. Also, you can find his Facebook link in the, also in the show notes. You can listen to his um, all his videos, especially in the Monday, the, the movies and all that stuff. He's really, really interesting. Really nice guy. Hey, you've also, you can find all the links in the show notes at nosettingonthesideline.com slash 111. Please reach out. In the comment, if you need questions, let me know. I'd like to hear from you. How are you doing? How are things going this summer? It's getting a little warm right now. I would just say hello or leave a comment on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you'd like to support the show, head on over to nosittingonthesideline.com slash store. You can see all the links for, like, T, um, T Public donation, one-time donation. If you want to help the show or buy me a cup of coffee. I always like coffee, especially right now it's um, butter pecan. I love the butt butter came with cream oil. You can have cream oil, you know, the swirl's there. But, hey, hey, <laughs> it's good, though. If you want to buy me a cup of coffee, links will be in the show notes. I guess every relationship, showing up is important. Like me showing up here for you, talking to you, bringing the guests up, showing, because, I mean, you have a relationship. Or my relationship with my son. Or relationship with my son's mom. Relationship is important. And building those bridges to better communication can make relationships so much better. Until next time, give your kids a hug. Tell them I should love them. I mean, I want to give my son a squeeze hug. He's not here with me tonight, but give him a squeeze hug. Tell him I should love him. Or just call up a friend and say, listen, I'm here for you, buddy. I miss you. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya.